0: Not only will you receive 20% off your first purchase, but enjoy free shipping on any U.S. orders over $75 and free returns. Go to viore.com slash call it and discover the versatility of Viore clothing. You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey.
1: Welcome to house of champions the world cup final is set argentina against france but we've got so much more to talk to you about than just that game which i didn't enjoy anyway so i want to talk to some other people about some other stuff we have the transfer guru himself fabrizio romano here we have the legendary charlie davis as we join forces with in soccer we trust and we also have nigel rio coca it's in his contract he has to keep turning up <laughs> <laughs> uh, ladies and gentlemen welcome to house of champions I've already got one of these people alienated, but I promise you, by the end of this show, I will have all four of them hating my guts. Let me let's start with you, Charlie, joining us from in Soccer We Trust, Charlie Davies. How are
2: you doing, Charlie? And how are you finding this World Cup? I'm I'm loving the matches, uh, goals, the excitement. You know, it's just there's this cloud over this World Cup for a number of reasons. But in terms of the actual matches and the performances, it's been first class. I've, I've enjoyed every match. Um, you look at the underdogs, Morocco, Croatia, uh, Saudi Arabia winning against Argentina to, to start the tournament. There's just been some some memorable games. And, and my kids are six years old. I know they're going to be talking about this for the rest of their lives because they're hooked. They're into it. So um, I think by all accounts, as far as performances on the field, it's been fantastic. And come on we took it to England as well let's not forget about the US we took it to England You, you know I mean
1: I haven't had a chance to vent and probably don't have a chance to vent about how England were robbed on Saturday night um but I mean I definitely think the US are the best team that England played at that World Cup um Obviously, that for reasons like that, I'm not allowed on in in Soccer We Trust um, because of my massive pro US agenda. But if you're an American soccer fan following the Stars and Stripes, there's no better place than a great in Soccer We Trust podcast. It's not just Charlie Davis, his former USMNT teammates, Jimmy Conrad and Heath Pierce. They're covering every angle of the American game with that perspective that only they can bring. And what a thrilling four years they have kind of ahead of themselves because. You know, come Sunday night and Monday morning, it's all eyes on the US, all eyes on Canada and Mexico ahead of the 2026 World Cup. But I've left this man in the corner. I can't imagine Fabrizio has ever sat on a Zoom call or a a stream yard for quite this long without being peppered with questions. (laughs) Fab, how are you doing
3: and uh, how did you enjoy that game? I'm great I'm great thank you my pleasure to be here yes, I love the game and I love the approach from France honestly first of all congrats to Morocco, Morocco because what they did is historical is really incredible uh, all their players, the manager really congrats to them. But I think uh, France, with many players, unavailable because we speak about top players, Ballon d'Or, Karim Benzema, but also Paul Pogba, Golo Kante, Christophe Nkunku, uh, Lucas Hernandez, uh, Mike Mignan, many important players are not available. And they did it again. They are in a final. So congrats to both teams. And I think uh, I 100% agree. This was, it was a fantastic workup, and it's going to be an incredible final, I'm sure.
1: It's going to be an incredible final. And, but I think I'm sure there are a lot of Moroccan players who right now are wondering what, January might hold. I mean, we could start with Sofian Amrabat. I think he has been, to me, up there with the best players of the tournament. I believe he's already been linked with Atletico Madrid, but Amrabat of Fiorentina. Fabrizio, is he going to
3: be a Fiorentina player in February? I'm not sure, honestly. Uh, the original plan for Fiorentina was to keep the player because he was doing very well. Also, right before the the World Cup, he had a fantastic game in San Siro against the Milan. He was the best uh, player on the pitch, so he was already in top form. And Fiorentina wanted to keep the player, but now, of course, after investing around 15 million euros to sign him from Verona two years ago, now the player has a value who is around 30-35 millions. They state in private that they want around 40 million euros to sell Sofia Amrabat. So, as of now, a lot of rumors on Liverpool many other clubs are tracking Amrabat and they follow him they know how good he is and how good he was at the World Cup but also with Fiorentina so it's true that there is interest from important clubs including Liverpool but at the moment there are no negotiations so there is no bid from Liverpool no direct negotiations also on player side the player wanted to be quiet on the transfer market while he was at the World Cup because he wanted to focus on the pitch but I'm sure that starting from next week something something will move Fiorentina will try to keep the player the plan for Fiorentina is to keep Amrabat till the end of the season and they'll probably sell him in the summer Summer. But let's see if it's going to be possible because with 35, 40 millions, I think they will sell him.
4: Two questions for you, Fabrizio. We've obviously World up for the first time ever in uh, the winter period halfway through a season. Do you think that this could be the busiest winter transfer season we see in the, the history of football in general, just because of this World Cup and how some players have performed? And also, could you put us straight in this whole Cristiano Ronaldo situation <laughs> of what's going on?
3: Yes, of course. To answer your first question, I think yes. Uh, I think yes is going to be if not the craziest, I think it's going to be super busy. A super busy transfer window, also because many top clubs now uh, are trying to prepare deals for the future. So maybe to close the negotiations now in January and then sign the players, have the players available starting from the, the next season, as Chelsea did with, with Christopher and who's going to be their player starting from next summer. So this kind of deal also for Josco Gvardiel, for example. He was one of the best center backs of the World Cup. He, he's been incredible, a part of that uh, messy, <laughs> incredible number. But we know how good is Josco Josko is super young and many clubs are fighting to sign him but there is a chance for him to stay in Leipzig for six months and then join the new club in the summer so I think it's going to be super busy for clubs who want to sign players in January but also for some clubs who want to prepare the future so I think it's going to be really busy for young talents and also for important players like Cristiano Ronaldo, Cristiano was in uh, in Madrid today. It was really surprising to see Cristiano Ronaldo at Valdebebas uh, at the headquarters of uh, Real Madrid because it was not expected but was Cristiano to call Real Madrid to ask them for this possibility to train there, to keep his form at the best level waiting for the new chapter of his career. He was together with his family, with his son, so he was training in a separated pitch, not the same pitch of Real Madrid with Carlo Ancelotti and with the squad. He was on a separated pitch not to create any rumour or any problem but I'm told that at the moment there are no negotiations at all between Ronaldo. And, uh, and Real Madrid it's just something that because of the great relationship between Ronaldo and the whole club all the people into the club all the people into the staff Carlo Ancelotti himself and of course Florentino Perez but as of today the only bid on Cristiano Ronaldo's table is from al Alnaz and James was the first one to, to report for uh, for us for CBS so that bid is still on the table and told is still a bid uh, that Cristiano could accept but he has not accepted yet he wants to wait he wants to wait for European opportunities and so probably James knows more than me <laughs> is, is, is
2: MLS still a possibility with Cristiano or or major league soccer is, is something he's not even considering
3: I think not now I think not now for for Cristiano I think now he wants he really wants to continue in Europe or this crazy bid from al Nazar is something yeah. that we, if, that, if it's which, not which, now, now which
1: MLS club would have the money to pay what the Saudis are offering <laughs>
2: I'm, I mean, it, it Well, would it take, comes from the league, James. It, it, it would and really come come take from leagues it, it would take a, a number of uh, sponsorship deals to get that 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 deal done. But I'm curious, Fabrizio, across the World Cup, there are a number of players. It's the platform to to make a move. Who has yeah. kind of stood out in in your eyes in terms of players under the radar? That their performances have all of a sudden put them on the radar for a, a move, whether it's January or in the summer. I'm looking at cl- uh, players amongst the Senegals, the Australians, the South Koreas, you know, Japan. Uh, there are a number of players who who had strong performances throughout the group stage. So, um, in your mind, who who could be on the move?
3: I think the name we already mentioned is Sofyan Amrabat, uh, because as you mentioned before, many people were really surprised in the football industry with Amrabat, especially in the Premier League, in the Bundesliga, in La Liga. They were really surprised with his impact, so I would mention him. With big surprises, I would mention a player that I'm told is in the list of many important clubs who you know very well. It is uh, Yunus Musa, who's doing very well with Valencia and was very good with the USMT uh, at the World Cup. And I'm told that two, three Premier League clubs have started some contacts with his agents to understand the possibilities to sign him, if not in January, in the summer. But it was a big opportunity for him to, to shine. And I think it's going to have a chance in 2023 to move to the Premier League. So it's a serious possibility. And then I think it was a perfect workup for some players who were very highly rated, but not yet on the international top stage. Josko Gvardiol, Cody Gakpo, who's been fantastic for the Dutch national team at the group stage. So those players were showing like, OK, you can invest 70, 80 millions on Gwardiol on or Gakpo or on this kind of players who in the summer were on different kind of value, but now are considered top players available on the market in general.
4: Fabrizio, we know obviously Chelsea have a situation, a striking, sorted situation. Could they be tempted with the Gapco? interest now? Or could they look at Gapco as a big alternative for building for the future?
3: Could, yes. But in the reality now, they are not negotiating for Gakpo. And they are not in contact, in contact with people close to, to Cody Gakpo. I think they will go for a different kind of player in January. After the injury of Armando Broglie, I think they will go for a centre striker. So I'm told they are already discussing internally on which kind of striker is the best solution because we know that Christopher Nkunku is already uh, signed by Chelsea, but it's for next season, not for January. He's going to stay Leipzig till the end of the season. This is the plan as of today. So they're going to sign him in the summer. And so they want to make sure they find the right player now to replace Broya. but Broya is going to be back. They have Aubameyang, they're going to have Kuku. So they have to make sure they find the right player at the right conditions on a difficult market. It's January market. It's really short and it's never easy to find the right opportunity. But Chelsea will be on it. Chelsea will sign a striker and I think it's going to be more a traditional number nine than a player like Cody Gakpo. Just one last
4: question for me, Fabrizio. Can you please explain to me what is going on with the Jordan Sancho situation at Manchester United? if you know anything
3: yes i think it's, it's a bit more complicated than what is explained by by erik ten hag in the last few days also in in press conferences because as of now he's in holland and he's having a, an individual program to train and to be back on top form uh, he's on, on on mental point of view on physical point of view erik ten hag in his last press conference he said uh, he's not uh, in best condition he's not in the condition to be here in spain with the squad and so in the in in the in the training sessions he was not at the best level on the pitch also he's Performances were poor in the last uh, games. That's, of the a, that's, a, that's
2: an interesting so, one.
3: Yes, so I think is a is a situation that. It's not easy to to handle for Manchester United because they invested big money in just, on Jadon Sancho. But what I'm told is that Ten Hag is convinced he can do very well in the second part of the season. If he will be back at top level, uh, Erik Ten Hag did an excellent work, in my personal opinion, with Marcus Rashford, who is who was not at the top level last season with uh, with Ole and with Ragnik. He completely changed the situation around Rashford, and now Ten Hag is pushing in a crazy way to have Rashford to sign a new deal as soon as possible with Man United. The mission is to do the same with Jaden Sancho in 2023.
2: And Fabrizio, for, for a lot of the American fans, Major League Soccer has stated they want to be a selling league. Tiago Amada <laughs> is the first active player to be in a World Cup final playing for Atlanta United. What does that do for his value? What, what are some of the options looking at Tiago Amada? Because I know Lionel Messi has publicly stated what a player he is and, and one for the future. Uh, wh- what will that do for, for him?
3: He's always been in the list of European clubs, honestly. Uh, so his move to, to MLS was surprising at one point because there were some European clubs tracking him, for example, in Spain, but also in Italy. Inter have always been keeping an eye on this uh, on this guy because they have a great connection with Argentinian players. And so Thiago Almada has always been in their list. And so I think being at the World Cup is something that is going to help his value, is going to help to say, OK, he can be on the international stage at top level. I think he needs maybe one or two more years at top level, also in the MLS, to show again his skills and then move to Europe. But for sure, the qualities of this guy, since he was at Vélez in Argentina, have always been great. So I'm sure that Europe is going to be the next step for him.
1: Uh, Fabrizio, I'm going to read you a comment that you're probably quite used to getting at this time of year. (laughs) Jordan Purchill asks, any Arsenal news? Uh, And he then asks, Mikhailo Mudrik to Arsenal? I mean, you know, as we know, Fab, Arsenal really in the market for it. And they were anyway. Before Gabriel Jesus's injury, but it's it's really up the importance, hasn't it? So, kind of let's compare notes here. What are you what are you hearing on, on Mudrik? And, and I've got a, another player I'd be interested to ask you about, but Mikhailo Mudrik first.
3: Yes, Mudrik, first of all, on player side, he's, from all I'm told, obsessed with Arsenal. He would love to join the club. He's waiting for Arsenal. Uh, He was dreaming of that move already in August when Brentford approached him. Everton offered 30 millions to sign him and Shakhtar said no. The real problem here is Shakhtar. And I think we have to respect also Shakhtar's position because... They have a fantastic player in their hands, and they don't want to sell him for 35, 40 millions. So at the moment, there is no agreement between clubs. Uh, I'm told that the conversations are still at early stages between Arsenal and Shakhtar Donetsk. But Arsenal are in very good contact and relationship with people close to the player. So Arsenal are working on player side, and then they are preparing to move on on club side with Shakhtar in the next days or weeks. So let's see about the value, because... uh, all the people into the club at Shakhtar, they say, if Jack Rilish, if Anthony were sold for 100 million euros or 100 million pounds, why should we sell a player like uh, Mihailo Mudrik for 45 or 50 millions? So my feeling is that they want around 65, 70 millions to sell Mudrik. And my feeling is that Arsenal will be in negotiation with Shakhtar and will try. But at the moment, it's not yet an advanced deal. I think they have a chance for sure.
1: Yeah, and I mean it was notable that Shakhtar's president was in uh, London this week, wasn't he? And uh, yes. I think we all know that that Arsenal can be at the head of that queue, and, and as you say, can advance quite quickly. But the interesting one that I've 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 heard some speculation about as a as a potential option for Arsenal and for a lot of other clubs is, is Joao Felix. Are Atletico really going to let him go midway through this season?
3: Yes. I think Joe Felix will leave in the January in transfer window. Sorry. Uh, wow. I think there is a very good chance. Uh, the relationship between Joe Felix and Diego Simeone, from what I'm told, is really difficult, uh, but more than difficult. Uh, he's not in the starting 11. He's never in the starting 11 at Atletico Madrid and this is a big problem for the player with the qualities and with the skills of Joao Felix. So he wants to leave. He's open to leave. He's waiting for clubs to, to move and negotiate with Atletico Madrid. And Atletico Madrid, also an official position with Hilmarín, the CEO of the club, a few days ago, he stated, we are open to listen to proposals for Joe Felix. So I think now is the opportunity for the player to leave and to try something different. There is a point. In summer 2019, they invested uh, 127 million euros plus a on João Félix, so they can't sell João for 60 or 70 millions. They want more than 100 million euros. So let's see who is going to be prepared to invest that kind of money on a player who is not a traditional number nine, uh, different kind of player on a January transfer window. So not an easy one. But what we can say is that his agent Jorge Mendes is speaking to many clubs about Joe Felix, including English clubs, but not only English clubs, also French clubs like PSG. Everything is open at the moment. It will take time. It's not something that is going to happen in the next days, but Joe Felix has very good chances to leave Atletico Madrid in general. I'm
2: curious with, with managers... Greg Berhalter for the U.S. Men's National Team, I know he's been floated and linked with clubs uh, in Europe. Who would be a possibility for Greg Berhalter if there was a European club interested in, in hiring the American manager? And then just in terms of other managers that have impressed throughout the World Cup.
3: Yes, I think not now. I think it's something that could happen maybe February, March because at this stage I don't see many clubs prepared to change the manager. They already had this possibility uh, during the international break for the workup and so I think now that after Wolves with Lopetegui and many others, uh, the situation is pretty quiet, uh, speaking to European important clubs. And so I think he will wait a bit uh, to, to see what kind of opportunities there will be on the market. This workup completely changed the scenario of the managers around the world because Luis Enrique is now available. He wants to be back on club football so I'm sure that in the summer Luis Enrique will be around that could be a big option for for top clubs but also many many others will be now available let's see what happens with Zinedine Zidane in France because now they are in the World cup final and I'm not sure that they're gonna replace Didier de Champ with Zinedine Zidane so there will be many managers available on on the market uh, and so at the moment everything is really open but I think it's gonna be next summer not January.
4: Well, Fab, that takes me on to my final question, actually, for you. It's quite interesting. I'm sure you've seen the advert by the Belgium FA for a new manager and the requirements <laughs> yes. that they want. Do you know if they've got any managers on the shortlist? Like you said, there's quite a few available. BDH Deschamps is going to stay on at France. So Zinedine Zidane could be a manager that's available, but whether he'll be willing to take that. Are you aware of anything that Belgium are looking for in particular for manager-wise?
3: Look, after that crazy news and after the crazy story, I was asking also some people close to, to their federation to understand what was the plan. And the reality is that at the moment, they have no idea. They still have no idea of who is the right man to to become the new uh, coach and coach of the national team. So it will take some time. They want to make sure they will find the right man also because Roberto Martinez is a part of this World Cup. But the job he did was really important, a great relationship with all the players. And so they want to make sure they find the right one for the future. And so... Let's see. Let's see what happens because at the moment is it's not something advanced. Also, let's see what happens with Portugal because Fernando Santos is absolutely not sure uh, of staying there. And of course, Southgate with with England. So there are many, many situations to clarify in the next days.
1: And I'm sure you will be on the phone constantly, Fab, trying to, to, to clarify <laughs> them. And, and as ever, we are incredibly grateful for your time. Always good to catch up with you. But uh, we do have to let you go. On the other side of the break, we'll be chatting with Jonathan Johnson, a delirious Jonathan Johnson, as he celebrates France's uh, victory over Morocco. We'll see you on the other side. Robert Half Research indicates 9 out of 10 hiring managers are having difficulty hiring. If you have open roles, chances are you're feeling this too. That's why you need Robert Half. Our specialized recruiting professionals engage with our proprietary AI to connect businesses of all sizes with highly skilled talent in finance and accounting, technology, marketing and creative, legal and administrative and customer support. At Robert Half, we know talent. Visit roberthalf.com today. Another
5: day is here and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help.
1: Don't stop watching the world's best soccer. Stream every match of the UEFA Champions League live on Paramount+. Plus. It's soccer's ultimate annual competition, not for country, but for club where it really matters. Sign up today for 50% off an entire year using the code Year at paramountplus.com slash sports. Jonathan Johnson is here. JJ, how are you feeling? What's Give us a sense of the atmosphere in, in Paris now. Is it blasé, indifference, as it always is in Paris, or... Is there a little bit of excitement at the prospect of uh, making history, joining the great Brazil team as the only team to to win back-to-back Mondial? Hey there, guys! Great to be back on with you. Well, I'd love I'd love to know what's going on in the streets of Paris, but uh, it's been
5: uh, work 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 for me since the final whistle, so I haven't actually been able to stick my head out yet. Have seen some videos doing the rounds on social media, uh, you know, fireworks. So it does seem to be a more positive atmosphere than perhaps many expected given that uh, you know Morocco and France obviously do have quite deep links but uh, you know we'll see what happens and what unfolds in the next couple of hours but you know obviously a, a great sense of satisfaction I think for the French because let's face it if they had gone out to, to England um, you know or somebody else other than Morocco uh, you know at this stage it perhaps might not be sniffed at but to go out potentially to, to Morocco come back to, to home soil with their tail between their legs, there would have been quite a sense of embarrassment surrounding, uh, you know, those kind of circumstances. So I think, uh, you know, many people are relieved in many ways after the, the test that, that Morocco put France through because, you know, five minutes in, France won that up. Many people were expecting them to rack up the goals. Uh, you know, I myself, I was sweating my 2 0 prediction, which ultimately came true. But um, it was... I think uh, a far sterner test than many people had really prepared themselves for.
4: Yeah, no, JJ, it was an absolute great game, in my opinion. I think Morocco deserve all the flowers that we can give them because it was a fantastic performance. I've said it before, watching this Morocco side from the start of this tournament to now, they performed like typical World Cups that we grew up watching that made us love this game of football. There was a great fearlessness about them great unpredictability. They were so brave in possession. They defended with their lives. They kept great possession, but they just weren't clinical. And I think if I analyse the game overall, for me, it reminds me of watching Argentina yesterday versus Croatia, where Croatia were the ball-dominant team, but this didn't have that end product, that end bite. Morocco weren't too far off. The bicycle kick was a sensational effort. And I think for me, Hugo Luis, this is the best form I've seen Hugo Luis in a long time. But obviously watching him a lot for Tottenham, he has been absolutely sensational in this French team. We can talk so much about the players, but when you break it down, what people are going to talk about, it's about Lionel Messi versus Mbappe. You've got Lionel Messi sitting on the iron throne and Mbappe being the challenger for it. Both players, whenever they're on the football pitch, they warrant special attention and they show that. I think today we saw a, bit, a glimpse of vintage Mbappe, even though he's still so young. And he's still got such a high ceiling and such a long career ahead of him. But we saw the same thing with Lionel Messi yesterday. It was For me, it, was, it really was a good game. And I think France showed another side of what they're capable of. And to you guys, do you think that Didier Deschamps gets enough credit for what he's done as a manager with France and how good a manager he is?
2: Uh, no, I, I don't think he gets enough credit. And, and it goes back to when FIFA asked the, the managers of, uh, in the World Cup, do you want 26 men in your roster or 23? And he was the only person to pick 23 because he said, I can't deal, I can barely deal with 23 egos. Now you're asking me to a- add three more to the equation? You just look at how many options they have. It's constant. And you You bring in a player like Benzema back into the to rotation and mending that, that relationship, but then not, not pushing Giroud away, which could have been very easy to say, you know, we don't need you anymore. And then you have that tension. And once you lose Benzema, you go back to him and, and say, Oh, I'm so sorry. That was never the, the, that was never in a problem. And so when I'm looking at the group, man, he's done a fantastic job of, of integrating new players, keeping the old ones still engaged and, and the rotations, just a phenomenal manager. So now I'm thinking, what's his next step? Is he just retire and say, "I'm good, I'm done, I've won two World Cups"? If that if that's to be the case, does he continue? I know Zizou's sitting there waiting in and hopes that he can manage the, the French team, but uh, I, I just don't see him walking away. I know two cycles is is a crazy long time, but why why not go for three? I find it
1: really interesting your question, Nigel, because so much of this tournament when. The games I've watched, France, I've found them not, not not just unwatchable, but actually quite poor. Like I don't think they play good football. I feel like they're less than the sum of their parts. But clearly the sum of their parts is such that, you know, a team that's less than it can go and and quite possibly win a whole World Cup. Um, I thought today they were after that fortuitous early goal, it was shocking to see a team with all that that technical quality. Um, play so cautiously, just as they had against England. Mm-hmm. But obviously you do have to kind of acknowledge that at tournament football in particular, this is a results business. You can't, you know, underlying metrics and XG and all those things, although they did get a lot. we was sort of 2.1 there. It, don't, it all only counts for so much. It's about what the final score is. And, and this is a team of winners. It's a team that works for each other. And I think for me, kind of building on what Charlie said, the thing that makes you think Deschamps has, has got something is the way Griezmann plays for this team you know looking at that that second half of his he was in Golo Conte one minute and Eric Cantona the next he was phenomenal and this is a player who turned up in a bit of form but playing as a sort of super sub for Atletico Madrid mm-hmm. and uh, he's he's built a team that has exploited this this outstanding footballer and, and and reminded us of what a talent he is
5: i mean i think playing on all of your points cuz they're all valid I mean, like Charlie was saying, uh, you know, Deschamps wanting a smaller squad than most. I mean, I think in many ways the the factors leading into the World Cup, so many players dropping like flies through injury, uh, you know, actually really played into Deschamps' hands. Because not only did it limit the amount of headaches that he could possibly have with that group of players, it also gave them some sense of injustice, something to kind of rally against and actually create that, you know, positive kind of chemistry and mentality the the, you know, the collective strength that had basically been missing since 2018, because let's, you know, let's not, you know, overestimate um, or, you know, underestimate how difficult the the last couple of years have been for France. So not necessarily difficult. France have been below par, you know, for quite a while after the World Cup. You know, they were disappointing in the Euros. A lot of players not in great form. And, you know, James is totally right when he talk, when he mentions how Deschamps has done, uh, you know, so well to, you know, to, to not only lead them, uh, you know, as a unit, not always necessarily playing uh, attractive football, but reinventing the likes of Griezmann, also reinventing the likes of Raphael Varane. Have Manchester United seen Raphael Varane in anything like the kind of form that we've seen from him in the last couple of games? I don't think so. I mean, I know he only has the one clean sheet now against Morocco to show for it, but there have been some good individual defensive displays from him. And you do wonder if he hadn't been in that sort of form, uh, you know, maybe France might have been picked apart earlier in this tournament because the defence hasn't convinced me pretty much all tournaments. In fact, they were riding their luck as well at the end against Morocco to keep that clean sheet. But I do think there is something to be said for the trust that Deschamps has with certain members of that squad. Uh, and also, let's not forget as well, Adrien Rabiot, who's emerged as a very important figure, a very influential player in this side, uh, you know, dropped out through illness. And uh, ultimately, I think Upper Meccano was less of a miss than Rabiot was. But like James said, you know, Griezmann hopping back in to, you know, uh, channel some prime. N'Golo Conte, uh, you know, certainly helped France uh, see through uh, without Rabiot.
4: Yeah, I think for me, um, when you look at everything, Guys, we, we talk about teams performing. I think what we spend so much time is looking at the talent. We look at the team sheet of France and saying that we expect so much because of the star power and the quality that they have, but they haven't performed. But we know this game of football. If France go on to win it, if they go on to win it, we're not going to talk about how they performed. They're just going to be known as world champions, first ones to do it since Brazil, back-to-back world champions. It's a great achievement. And I think for me, when I look at this team, and like Deschamps said about wanting a smaller squad, what people have to realise is some people think it's easy to become a manager or to be a coach if you've got the best players. People don't take into account the personalities that you have to deal with in the dressing room. That is when top managers rise to the top because to get this French team to still be performing and like you said about Griezmann, what he's going for at Atletico Madrid, but looking like Superman for this French team, performing, defending, attacking, not just wanting to be the assist king, but actually being in his six yard box in midfield defensive positions and clearing the ball, that is great coaching. That comes from a great manager. And the togetherness with all the egos, that is the big thing people don't realise. Like we've been in dressing rooms, Charlie, and you know what it's like with some of these players and the egos that come (sighs) in. Only top managers have that ability and that knack to get them to work together, to have one goal, one desire. And that is to be in the same page. And even when we look at it, we talked about Argentina as well, how good a team Argentina have become. For me, yesterday's performance is the best performance I've seen of Argentina so far throughout this tournament. And that's one good performance you can give them. So even for this French team, maybe the final will be the best performance that mm-hmm. we've seen. But I think for me that it's just we need to give a bit more credit, I would think, to Didier Deschamps Because to do that isn't easy. Because if it was easy, if you look at squad for squad... You'd have to say Brazil had the best squad of players and the best talent in this World Cup and they fell miserably short.
2: I I couldn't Uh, couldn't agree more.
1: As ever, yeah. Spot on from Nigel. Let's have a look at some of your comments as well. Remember to keep the comments coming. Um, Xavier Park here, I like this one. Fighting till last minute, even though they were clearly exhausted, made me really like Morocco. And and I have to say I'm, I'm with Xavier there because you could see, you could see before they took to the pitch that these players were not ready Unfortunately, some of them for a, a World Cup semi-final, they put so much effort into getting past Belgium, getting past Portugal, getting past Spain. You know, Nia Gerd. you're going to have to wait, fans in America, you're going to have to wait till he's on Paramount Plus with West Ham. That's when you're going to see him again. Romain Seiss as well, clearly hobbled, and and he was out after 20 minutes. mazraoui off at half-time. I mean, Charlie, obviously you've you, you played at a at a higher level than, than myself and JJ. I, I wonder if you could sort of, I'm sure you've been in situations where you know that key teammates are not fully fit. How much of a challenge is that for, you know, if you've been that player or, or for you
2: and your teammates, yeah. knowing that one of your most important players isn't really ready to go? Well, there's a there's a fine balance between playing your best player and, and knowing that maybe 60, 70% is still better than your substitute, who can give you 100 or close to it, versus a 60, 70% that takes away, from, from the team's performance and the, and the ability to, if they're pressing, if they're playing on the counter and he can't cover as much ground as you need him to. So from a manager's perspective, that's, that's part of the trying to manage personalities and manage expectations that typically you don't talk about because it's usually tactics, who's playing, and then the result. But not so much, man, the coach had to come up with this tough decision of playing a striker who who can't give you that that acceleration that burst but he's just so clinical that you have to start him because you know if he gets that one chance he's going to finish Olivier Giroud looked, you know about 80 percent. he did not look anywhere near the Olivier Giroud that we saw from the first the first match of this tournament so I I think both teams look like they they're they're they've got the heavy legs the fatigue has set in and and you try and recharge and, and re-energize and, and get it back up to as close as you can to, to full strength for that final, knowing that this is the last the last match. France could turn on like that, and they could play poorly as long as they defend well when you have a player like Mbappe and Dembele just because of that pace, that change of pace. And we've seen in 2018 what Mbappe could do to Argentina by himself. So uh, if I'm looking at both squads in terms of X factor – france for me have that advantage because argentina don't have yes they have Messi, but they don't have a player who who can who can just take off and, and capitalize on that one that one mistake just because of the space in behind that argentina may leave
4: charlie just to jump on quickly what you said there um you know when you said about obviously we didn't see the great Giroux today mm-hmm. and i agree with you but for me i think that was because of tactics that was because of how france set up because if you see. France were worried about this Morocco side. They know how dangerous this side was. If you looked how deep Giroud had to drop at times to stop back for getting on the ball. We talk about how he protects the ball so well, defends so well, interrupts, reads the game so well. But what people don't see in the other side of his game is when you've got a ball-winner midfielder like that, he doesn't just win it and give it away. He wants to get on it again and makes those forward passes. And he has the ability to make penetrative passes and very... Um, dangerous passes going forward. So he can control the flow of the game. So at times you saw Giroud dropping off, stopping him from having an influence, which just goes to show the respect that both teams had for one another. And I think what also I saw as well, JJ, probably you see it later on in social media in, in France, the respect that the players have for each other. Mbappe and Hakimi embracing each other. Mbappe celebrating, wearing his teammates' shirt and celebrating. And both the players, there wasn't just... France went out there and started celebrating and going crazy, making the World Cup. There was tremendous respect going to the Morocco players. There was embracing each other. And I think that's great to see. I think you can be friends and compete where Mm -hmm. some of the older generation we played with will probably be pulling their hair out now saying that we shouldn't be embracing each other. We shouldn't be swapping shirts. We should be out there wanting blood. But I think you can still compete and have respect for each other. And that's what I saw. And I liked that.
5: I think it's, uh, it's it's a really good point, um, you know, and I think it's one of the reasons why Sofiane Bouffard was so quick after that uh, uh, that quarterfinal uh, to come out and say that Morocco wanted to come up against France because it wasn't just a question of coming up and playing against some of their friends, some of their teammates from club level. It's a question of testing themselves as well against the players that they feel are perhaps one of, if not the best teams at the World Cup perhaps certainly the best team in that side of the draw that they could have tested themselves against uh you know they they went toe-to-toe with them for you know pretty much the entirety of the game now Charlie I've got a I've got a question for you because obviously you spent some time during your career in France you've Mm -hmm. seen sort of up close uh you know what it's like with these different footballing cultures uh you know mixing first of all are you surprised um you know at the success that france are having at international level over these past four years or so given what you saw uh, but also uh you know we, are you surprised seeing teams like morocco uh, you know breaking out with many sort of french-based uh, talents or players with dual nationality uh you know given that there are so many of those kind of players that play their trade over here in france
2: well to answer your first question uh I am not surprised whatsoever because the talent is extremely high in the French education. The development is 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 really refined on on technique, and you could see that. There's a, a number of different styles of players. You have the Mbappe's, but you also have like the the, the Zizus, who are Algerian uh, of Algerian descent, and that's why uh, I love what you you said in terms of the respect because it's almost like they're integrated. The, there's a uh, most of these Moroccans have played in France have lived in France they are French too uh, of French descent because they've grown up there a lot of them play with each other on the club teams you you feel like there's a strong Moroccan culture within France especially when you you look at uh parts of uh, of Paris but southern France I mean you got the, the hardcore Moroccans the hardcore Algerians and the Tunisians and they are ever present you see that so I knew there was a mutual respect, and in this game, in France, if you are uh, an Arab, it's almost like you're a second-rate citizen, and it's it's that much harder to break into the French national team. And so, I, I think that they were they were playing with that type of pride to say, "Hey, you never really valued us." And look, a number of us could play with the French national team. A number of us could can compete with you toe to toe, which which we saw today. So that was. That was brilliant. But the, the, the youth players in France, most of them are supremely talented, but then it comes down to discipline and ego and managing that. And and that's always been a challenge. And it seems like as of late, now they're understanding how to have uh, s- sustained success and, and, and being successful for a long period of time. Now, uh, France, it, it's the, it's the French moment and you could see it. They, they, they're just so deep. I mean, they could they could field three teams in this tournament. That, I mean, <laughs> they certainly
1: could. I, I've got one question for you before we dive into this. And it kind of comes back to, to, to one of the players I wanted to highlight a lot, which was Antoine Griezmann. And I know I've mentioned him earlier, but I think for me, there's a three-way split right now in terms of the golden ball potential winner, the best player at this tournament. And I know these are normally decided before the final game anyway. But in an ideal world... It might all be up for grabs between these three players, Kylian Mbappe, Lionel Messi and Antoine Griezmann for the title of the best player at the World Cup. Mm. But right now, if you had to pick right now, which the voters normally have to do anyway, so I can test you, starting with uh, Nigel and working clockwise. So, Nigel, who, and you can, you can pick someone other than those three, but who would you say would has been the player of the tournament so far?
4: I'd have to say Griezmann. I really have. I know people, the thing is, when you watch football, it's easy to look at the best player and say, oh, he's the superstar, he's the best player. There's so many hidden gems that you don't see and understand. And for me, when you look at Griezmann, what he's doing for this French team, how really and truly he's been the secret 007 for this French team. Griezmann, for me, is the one. He's not getting the glory. Yes, he's getting the assists, but all-round play, everything he's done has been absolutely sensational. And when you take into account the, the mud situation that he's in at Atletico Madrid, our producer's team. I don't know why he supports Atletico, but they are absolute. We'll, we'll leave it there. But he's going through a tough time there. To come into a World Cup with that mindset and performing like this, it's sensational. And I'm only speaking from a player's perspective of being in that environment and situation. So Griezmann for me. I'm surprised,
2: Nigel. One you, your position, you, you didn't, you didn't rate too any high, higher than that. I mean, he's been too He's yeah, but hey. the, the difference is Chouman. He's young. He's sensational. He's
4: playing at Real Madrid. He's he's a hundred million dollar kid. He's performing at Real Madrid. Griezmann's coming from a very tough situation, at Atletico Madrid, where they've been doing poor domestically, poor mm-hmm. in the league. And you look at how he's performed, and how Felix is performing for this World Cup, and they haven't performed like that for Atletico. It's such a tough mindset to come in that in that environment. And going into a World Cup and just performing like that, it just shows strength of character and the
2: quality of player he is. Yeah, but I'm disappointing you. You you just you just you just slapping your position for fun. I'm I'm gonna. I think Lionel Messi is who the media are, are going to be putting forward for for Golden Ball. I don't necessarily. I don't think he is the best player of the tournament right now, but I think just with the stats and him carrying all this pressure and the weight of a country and the weight of Diego Maradona trying to be the the, the greatest Argentine player of all time, but also the greatest player of all time to have that World Cup trophy, uh, I think that's what's going to push the media to say uh, it's easy, it's, it's messy. But if France do win the title, uh, I think Mbappe gets gets the, the golden ball. Not so much because of his performances every game. I mean, he's shown, obviously, his his phenomenal quality. But I think it's just because of how he's been able to change the game and force teams to play differently, force teams to defend him with three or four, as you saw today. Morocco, Morocco had four players around him, and, and that's why his deflected shot was easy for a tap-in. But I, I just think with his ability, he's such a special player, that he's shown enough to say – He's the best player on that team. He's the best player on the field, uh, especially if he has a, a a memorable moment in that final that is a game changing and and gives France the title. I think Mbappe gets the golden ball for me.
5: Yeah, I can agree, I I agree with Charlie that I think that Messi and Mbappe are probably you know the two most narrative rich um, players to to look at in terms of the award, but I agree with Nigel. It's I mean the thing is. Griezmann, I mean, would would many people have sat up and taken notice of how he's been performing if he hadn't got that pair of assists against England? You could perhaps debate it. But the fact is, he was already leading the tournament in terms of chances created coming out of the group stage. uh, And that included one, uh, you know, defeat for, for France in a game where Griezmann started on the bench anyway. So I think, I mean... I mean, really, if we're really breaking it all down uh, in terms of uh, you know what an achievement it is to have Griezmann performing at this level and even being in the conversation, uh, you know, with Mbappe and Messi, I think is is a huge achievement. But for me, I don't think that France get to this final, uh, you know, without Griezmann being in the form he's in. That's why I would place him just slightly higher than Mbappe in terms of, uh, of his importance for France. I, I agree with Charlie that you know Mbappe has been you know crucial, but I don't know it just feels for me like Messi is almost doing the role of Mbappe and Griezmann for Argentina whereas you've got one of each uh you know for France and I think that's why you know France will now be such a threat for Argentina in this final but if if you were asking me just personally to pick the best player and I had to pick before the final then I'd go for Griezmann
1: Yeah I'm going to side with my House of Champions family on this one. Oh, my, Charlie is get,
2: oh my God. Hi Charlie. No, not? Not I'm not
1: going to side with my House of Champions family. Jude Bellingham. Who cares? Let's give it Jude Bellingham. <laughs> 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 right. We will have a full preview pod on Friday where we're going to dive deep into the matchups. So we're going to look at every angle of this Argentina versus Frats game. But maybe we could... Could start with a few initial thoughts. I know where mine are. Mine are squarely focused on Teo Hernandez. I thought he was, from the moment he scored that goal onwards, I thought he was a real problem for France, especially, I mean, admittedly, Hakim Ziyech and Atraf Hakimi are going to ask you anyone questions, aren't they, playing at this level? But uh, can Teo Hernandez slow down the likes of McAllister and and Messi and who knows, maybe Di Maria? Um, JJ, having watched that game, kind of, and I, with a little bit of a emotional investment, where are you thinking you need France to improve if they're to beat Argentina?
5: I mean I think we need to see more of that uh, defensive grit and determination, that ability to dig deep, put everything on the line. I mean, I think there must be a temptation to, you know, perhaps hook Hernandez, you know, especially if France get into a leading position and maybe try and go for that flat back four of central defenders. Because let's not forget, you know, Koundé has been playing at right back all tournament, but he is a central defender by trade. Uh, You know, you also have to wonder if Upper Meccano comes back in uh, after that. I have to be honest, I think Konate sort of lends himself to being more of a natural partner for... um, Varane than Upper Meccano. Upper Meccano's look quite jittery, so perhaps he'll be an unlucky uh, victim of that illness that befell him just before this game. But I still, I mean, I'm still going to go with my pre-tournament prediction of Argentina winning, but I don't think it'll be a comfortable win. I think it'll be, you know, by a goal. And to be honest, I could easily see France grinding out uh, a win by one goal as well. It's really that close. I'm going to need a couple of days to stew over this one properly. But I do think that France need to continue, uh, you know, this good run of defensive form that they've built up, uh, you know, if they're to stand a chance of uh, of beating Argentina.
4: Charlie?
2: I'm, He's still I'm, stewing. He's still hurting about it. Yeah, I'm, being I'm the odd I, one out. It's I, all right, Charlie. You get I, over it, man. You gutted. got a thick skin. Yeah, you know yeah I got the thick skin. All right. I'm going to go with France. France win this because you look at those matchups and sure. Tunis, if, if Morocco had somebody who could have that end product, and and I just don't think they got in those good positions, but Ziyech was, was rubbish when he got into the final third today. Um, just rubbish. <laughs> he was just rubbish. Uh, I thought you might like that. Uh, but I think Argentina gives too many opportunities away, especially the space, and they allow those 1v1 situations where – Croatia might not hurt you with that pace. Ivan Perisic is more of a player who's going to come inside and and create those mismatches, especially in crosses situations with Dembele and Mbappe. It's a different proposition. France can concede possession. They can invite you in. They they can say, "Hey, sure, today was poor from them overall with with the the possession, but today uh, in the final they could say, Argentina come." We, we, will, we will handle, we will, we'll mark Messi, we'll, 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 we'll do our due diligence, and then on the counter, we will hit you. And in this World Cup, all you need is that one chance and, and France could win, win this game 1-0. So uh, for me, it's, it's going to be the, the French that, that raised that trophy.
4: Oh, gentlemen, I love this game. Oh, we just love the game of football. It's fascinating. Um, I think for me, honestly, it's, it's going to be a, a tight game. It's going to be interesting tactics wise, how they both set up, because I think both teams are vulnerable defensively. Mm -hmm. But as Didier Jesson said, and as James would like against England, France rid their luck. And sometimes in football, you need luck. But today they did show great determination. They defended with their lives. They're going to have to have that same application against Argentina. The way I break it down is this. Argentina have a good team. But yet they're still very Messi centric because Messi has to do the Mbappe job and also the Griezmann job, as I think it was James or JJ stated, which is so true. When you look at this France team, if you've got Dembele, Mbappe, Griezmann, Chuamini, and Giroud up front, they have so much more attacking threat and options that can cause mm-hmm. problems against Argentina. Argentina's backline don't like big physical strikers. Mm-hmm. Giroud is a big physical presence dominant in the air, and also knows how to play the game with great football intelligence. He can be a problem for this Argentina back line. And then you've got the likes of Griezmann coming in, picking up the ball, and many in that midfield. I just feel if France apply themselves pretty much the same way they did today, they will cause Argentina problems. And if Mbappe ever gets isolated in one-on-one situations... Oh, bye-bye. There's only one defender we've seen who can handle him in this whole tournament, and that's been Carl Walker. There's no other defender... Can, can handle it, can <laughs> so I think for me, it's going to be tight. But if you look at the footballing aspect of it, France have too much for Argentina if France turn up. But I think it should be a cracking final. And um, what we also got of last point, James, for me is this. France could be on the verge of repeating history, which hasn't been done since Brazil. Argentina now could feel the real burden and the pressure of winning this World Cup since when was the last time? So 86. I think there'll, there'll be less pressure on France because getting to the final again with what they've been through is an achievement alone already. So there'll be less pressure on France and it's whether that pressure really becomes too much for these Argentinian players as well. Will be oh, it's all on Messi. Part. We know that.
1: There yeah, you go. We know that Messi can can rise to the moment or uh, it can all go a little bit wrong in finals. Um, either way, I think we know we're going to be in for a really exciting game. I do believe the last time these two teams met at the World Cup was was slightly over four and a half, uh, four years ago, a 4 3 Barnstormer, Killian Mbappe scoring twice. Um, mm-hmm. I think we'd take that. I think there are a few of us that suspect that might not happen this time out. <laughs> but uh, that is, I think that will do it for us here on uh, on House of Champions. There are our predictions for the semi finals. I see there an impressive five points. For James Ben streaking yeah, yeah, ahead of yeah, the yeah. there's a there's a bit in the middle I can't quite read. I don't think anyone else. Can.
4: Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, oh, went with my no, heart. No. I, I went with my heart. Nigel. I did it. I went with my heart. Damn, Nigel. I wanted for the beauty of the game. I wanted to see a Croatia Morocco final for the mm. beauty of football. Yes, I went with my heart. Oh God. That, get, get that off screen, Dad. <laughs> that's that's you right. get, you get, I mean, They could at least spell my name right wow pick. there you go that's what you get uh jj when our uh, producer is an athletic fan isn't he not the <laughs> brightest
2: <laughs> hey we didn't we didn't we didn't get to talk about the U- this u.s england game now you've had some some days and weeks to reflect on that well, what is he do you here to talk about how do you feel well, how you do you guys feel, feel? You, james was here talking four nil five nil Demolition. Charlie,
5: Charlie, we've we've already started this Southgate for
2: USMNT bandwagon. Oh no, yeah, Stop that Stop you that, need right? it. Oh, I'm sorry. we don't. He's not going to be an improvement. No, He's not going to be that. an improvement. We don't want that. I didn't say it wouldn't be an improvement, but we don't want that. Oh, what do Jay's you want, say, Mourinho? Mourinho Let's US just listen quickly. What do you want? Tell <laughs> us, Charlie. What do you want? <laughs> I want Roberto Martinez. Martinez. Yeah, that's Good what luck, I want, mate. Get Would you take him as
4: technical director and coach, or just the coach this time? Just the coach. Because, you know, football intelligence has to improve to a way another level, like the Dutch kind of taught you guys.
2: You know that, That, right? All I say is we have Roberto Martinez. Then we have the ability. We have the players and the athleticism. But we also have the tactical. Now, the uh, understanding of how to be... tactical. very tactically good with uh,
4: Belgium's golden generation, was he? Well,
2: he he had his his chance in in 2018. It wasn't wasn't this one. This one was... They were doomed from the beginning. Jesus Christ.
1: Need a striker more than a manager. I think Greg Berholtz is fine. (laughs) Get someone to kick the ball in the net.
5: So we've got USMNT going Wigan in 2026
1: on home soil. Yeah. Who is the, Charlie, who is the sort of, who's this, we've, we've gone off piste here, but I'm going to allow it. Who is the, the striker by 2026 that, that could, is it Balogun? I mean, certainly. Got in, to,
5: got to be Balogun, Charlie. If you're not watching him already, get your eyes on him in League and He is doing great things with us.
2: Yeah. I, I would love that because there's no one that has, that is catching the eye. There's not a, a, a talent in the, in the pipeline to say, that's the guy that we got to watch. We got to watch him grow. We've had players who have dabbled in the in the nine, but no one has taken it consistently. No one is is striking fear into an opponent with with ex- riveting pace or or acceleration or finishing. So that that's the only position in my mind that we're really lacking.
4: Uh, Charlie, do you think that America have kind of fell short in the sense of the soccer federation, where they haven't been proactive, really looking to see. What players they can get? That they've been very lethargic and lazy. When you look at how proactive Canada is, I'm just telling you the lethargic. truth. And you look at <laughs> and you look at what France is doing. You know, there's players
2: out there. There's uh, Eunice Busa, Eunice Busa, Serginho Dest. What? What is that? We're those are two players who are right in, for
4: getting strikers. Would you, would, getting you, would
5: you? Players. Would you trade uh, one of those for Jonathan David though?
2: Of course they would. Uh, no, I would not oh my god i would not you you act like jonathan david is mbappe he's he's good he's very good but he's not he's not a a generational player i'm not Eunice musa you guys ain't gonna produce a
4: generational player either
2: Eunice Musa could be someone who is a unbelievable midfield who's gonna score the goals bro we're still talking about scoring
4: goals that eh? will come Oh god.
2: I'll I'm not tra- I'm then. not trading Eunice Musa for Jonathan David. I promise you that though. I'll be dead by then, mate. <laughs> I, I, I tell you, I have to say, if um England had Eunice
1: Musa and Jude Bellingham in 2026, I mean, we need to see if we can reverse this decision no, somehow because it's not happening. If England had those two in 2026, we're having that tournament. Thanks very who, much. On, on, who,
2: on who's, the topic who's England of striker after Harry Kane. That is
1: the well, this is the interesting part of it. I think it's a big global question isn't there where have all the strikers gone because England will they're... produce a striker mate oh, France, France. You, I, I didn't
2: hear a oh, name come out of your mouth either. No, I don't think there is yeah. one. I'm not hey. sure there is. But through, oh just, yeah. if, if filler gave some South minutes South to, academy. That's that's if, it, if gave some minutes to,
5: to Cameron oh, Archer might stand a chance. But uh, actually I do have a quite a quick question for Charlie. Do we see Giro Reyna for USMNT in twenty twenty six?
4: Oh damn
2: don't be shy now. I'm g- no, I'm not. I'm still here. I'm going to say wait. yes. I, there's a clear, uh, I think, a clear desire from the U.S. team to make sure that Gio Reyna addresses his attitude. And that's that's been clear from day one with him on the national team. And that's more of his mannerisms. We've seen players, but as a young player, to be throwing up your hands, turning your back, doing all that, you – you haven't done anything yet to be even doing that, right? So, I think there's always been an a, a, an attitude from from this player, and again, it's the balance. How much do you want a player to have that attitude and play with that chip on the shoulder? But at what point does it take away from his performance and the, as well as the trust in the locker room? So you have players saying, "Hey, Gio, super talented, but not worth not worth the headache, not worth the attitude, not worth." Um, having to deal with that type of, of energy on the pitch. So and then you throw in well Timothy Wea performed well enough to say, well you're not going to play on the wing because we need somebody who's dynamic and can stretch the the field. you don't offer that and Christian Pulisic, you're not taking him off the pitch. So where where does he fit in that dynamic? He's a, he's he's not good enough to start over Timothy Wea at the moment given what the team needed from him. And he's not good enough to start over Yunus Musa or for Christian Pulisic because that midfield is the best part of the U.S. Men's National Team. Musa, McKinney, Adams. You could argue McKinney, McKinney wasn't healthy enough and that maybe Giorina could have played there. That's fine. But ultimately, you have to, as a young player, deal with disappointment and channel it in the right way. He has not done that. So I think it's a great learning experience. I know he's a good kid. I got to meet him and play with him in a charity match well before he made his move to, to Dortmund. I think he's going to use this because he's clearly gifted, and he'll be a, a mainstay within this national team in the future.
1: I'm going to uh, dive in there because I know Nigel's itching to uh, go ahead. Nigel, let's go.
2: go. I'm not saying nothing. Go on,
4: go on, James. Because our producer Des wants us out of there. He, no, he-
2: Des, you can't stop us now. <laughs> let's go. I, I'm I'm fired up right now. Nigel, Nigel got me cooking.
1: <laughs> I mean, the only thing I would say as well is, is the one thing that, that Charlie is absolutely, und- indisputably spot on about is that that midfield looks like something really special and a fully fit Weston McKenney. I think USA beat England as, as much as I have to grit my teeth and bear it, as I say that. Um, but who knows, maybe that would have been quite good for England, actually. If only we'd lost to the US, we would have got off France's side of the bracket and uh, be getting ready for that final right now. Uh, maybe. Maybe. <laughs> maybe no definitely definitely and i can leave it on that because i'm the host today and when ian is back in charge i'll never get away with such nonsense so charlie thank you so much for for jumping across from in soccer we trust to join us thank you nigel and jj a pleasure as ever and to everyone listening thanks so much for joining us on i was nice trying to get me here to try how am i
2: going to end this podcast with this Oh, my blood is boiling. Let's go. Oh, Let's go.
4: this is too oh. funny. USA <laughs> Athleticism. <laughs> USA Athleticism. It's USA Athletics Club. Right, we've got we're going
5: to add Charlie to the list for the After Hours pod.
2: Oh, yeah. Count me in.
1: We've made it, folks. This was only supposed to take about 35 minutes. Thanks so much for joining us on House of Champions. Just remember, take a minute to leave us a rating and review on your favourite podcast platform. Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher. Never heard of Stitcher. Anywhere you listen to podcasts, we're also available on video. Subscribe to us on YouTube. Nigel Rio Coker is pointing to the QR code right this instant, just about. Thanks so much for watching. We will be back on Friday to break down the World Cup final. Argentina against France. It's going to be a cracker. We'll talk to you soon.